Hello, welcome to HR Shop Talk. I'm your host, Andrea Adams. This show delves into the details of HR through conversations with smart, experienced, and successful professionals who are actually doing the work. Today, my guest is Jim Utley. He's the former VP of HR for Tech Resources and is an instructor at Simon Fraser University School of Business. He's been through a few restructuring events. Hi, Jim, how are you? Hi, Andrea, good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. So let's just get into it. As I said, we're gonna talk about restructuring. So what is it and how is it similar or different from reorgs? Well, I think it's um, potentially one and the same thing. Okay. And it arises from um, a number of different uh, circumstances. Uh, an organization may um, take over another organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, organizations may merge. There may be economic reasons for an organization to restructure its costs in order to stay competitive, or it may be the result of a new leader and wants to make some changes aligned to what his or her business priorities may be. Okay. Uh, so getting into managing a restructuring, what are some elements of an effective, effectively managed restructuring? It starts with um, what the organization is trying to accomplish. For instance, in an acquisition or a merger, what the acquiring company is trying to accomplish or the mm-hmm. two organizations are trying to accomplish if they've decided to merge. So it goes back to the, you know, what does the strategic plan say? What are the goals that's driving that plan? And then from there, start to think about what that means in terms of the kind of structure the organization needs to meet those goals. What are some of the key activities that are now important, now critical mm-hmm. going forward. And so it sort of starts at the outside of the organization mm-hmm. looking in, and then it looks at sort of what are gonna be the key activities in that organization going forward, and then starting to build a new structure from there. So it's a very strategic kind of focus to it. It's a term that gets overused, but it's really linking it back to those business requirements that gave rise to the restructuring in the first place. Okay, to make this a bit more tangible, can you think of any examples of key activities that required considerable change? I can think of some that in one of the restructurings I was involved with, which was the smelter and trail. Uh, The trail smelter was uh, located in South Ontario, British Columbia, and was created many, many years ago uh, in a period of time when it had to depend on Um, producing many of its own supplies and equipment. So it had things like a foundry, for instance. So it did a lot of its own manufacturing and parts. Over time, that became to be seen as quite inefficient with improvements in transportation and so on. Yet because of resistance from the union and community and so on, and maybe some of the managers at the time, those changes weren't made. Ultimately, they had to be made because of that financial position, the uh, organization found itself in, or the smelter found itself in. So some of those activities are actually eliminated. They were outsourced. So there was once a key activity, uh-huh. manufacturing parts and parts and supplies uh-huh. was no longer seen as important. It could be done by a third party. So there's a there's an example of uh-huh. you know, how those kind of pressures affect a key activity in the organization. So. What are some things to avoid doing during a restructuring? Well, one would be not taking a strategic focus. Um, A lot of organizations, particularly uh, government organizations, they implement these across the board cuts. 
everybody mm -hmm. must cut by 3%. Okay, and yeah. What that misses is that, and back to your previous question, is that maybe some key activities actually their budget should be increased. And some activities may be decreased, if not eliminated entirely. So again, you got to have an alignment back to what is this organization try, trying to accomplish. Is so this... some of these come from the top. These directives come from the top of the organization. They're mm -hmm. not well thought out. And then all of the managers, people below them, are, are scrambling to make these cuts. When really, in some cases, it's going to be those kind of changes be quite detrimental to what the organization is trying to accomplish over the longer term. Hmm. So you're advocating for a scalpel rather than a hammer kind of thing? Yeah, much more thoughtful approach to it. And then mm. at the end of the day, they may have to reduce their, their budget by a certain amount just because of the cost, cost structure. For instance, back to that trail smelter example, mm -hmm. at the time, it was losing $50 million a year. So at, at we had to Terrible. find a way to eliminate those costs from the structure. But in terms of thinking that through, how is it the best way to do that? You're right. You had to take much more, much more focused, specific approach as opposed to sort of just broad, general kind of cut and hat kind of approach. In terms of taking a scalpel approach and being thoughtful about it, does that not slow the, t the process down and then allow uh, resistance to change to build? One of the important um, important aspects of effective restructuring, I think, is really good planning. So before an organization announces any changes, oh, okay. there has to be a lot of analysis and thought and planning gone into preparing for the change. So that when you make the announcement, you're ready to go and there won't be any delays once that announcement is made. Now, preparing for these kind of changes is quite intense. And uh, usually there's a usually management team that's put together, should be put together to work on this. And they may work day and night on it to get it, move the thing along to the announcement day. But once the announcement day is occur, happens and you communicate this to, the, to your employees and suppliers and customers and community and so on. Having done that homework ahead of time, you're much in a much better position to move this change along more quickly. Mm -hmm. I've often heard in change that you need to involve the people in affected by the change. It sounds a little bit like in this instance, you're advocating that they don't be included. Well, it would be nice to, mm -hmm. but the practicality of it is it's hard to engage large numbers of people in a change of this nature because of the adverse effect it's going to be having. On right. So it is a dilemma for managers. You'd like to involve people. You'd like to get mm -hmm. their input, but mm -hmm. there, there comes a time when that's not practical or a reasonable thing to do. However, right. once you announce the changes and, and you communicate to, with people about how they're going to be affected as specifically mm -hmm. as you can, in some mm -hmm. cases, unfortunately, some people will leave in the organization. Some people, though, will be staying. Some, and some of those people will be changing their jobs, moving to different mm -hmm. kinds of jobs. Once the announcement's made, though, you can then, the people who are remaining in the organization, work with them to decide how best to work out some of the detail mm -hmm. about these changes that are required. Okay, so often young HR professionals are implementing aspects of a restructuring. What could they do to contribute a little bit more or prepare themselves to take on more responsibility? Well, first of all, their managers, bosses should speak to them about one, why this restructuring is taking place and put it in the context of business requirements. And then talk to them about how their jobs will be affected uh, by this change. And so the HR people who 
will be remaining in the organization and remaining in HR jobs need to be clearer then about what their role becomes. How are they going to help with the implementation? So if, it has, if you're doing a merger, for instance, and I think about one of the mer mergers I was involved in, a major merger of two mining companies, HR had a huge job of taking two sets of comp and benefit practices, oh, merging them into one. Mm -hmm. So there's a tremendous amount of work of trying to think about what would be the right composition of this new comp and benefit package for the new organization, looking at competitive data, like what was the, you know, what was the current market in that situation for pay and benefits, but also thinking about how to be equitable. You know, there was a lot of um, concern that we're taking things away from one group and so on and so forth. And so we spent a lot of time trying to figure out, yes, we were, you're going to lose Easter Monday as a holiday, mm -hmm. but your vacation package was poorer than what the market provided and what the other company had available. So while they were losing some things in some areas, they they would pick up some things. Mm. So overall, we tried to keep that right. fair and equitable. So it was that kind of analytics and then explaining of these changes to people. And it wasn't easy. There was a lot of, in that particular case, there was a lot of backlash. There were a lot of people thinking that they were they were losing. And some actually, in some cases, they were right. There were a couple of areas where we hadn't done our homework right and we did make some changes after on the basis of that kind of feedback right so we've reached the end of this episode this show is also on youtube where you can browse through this conversation and others and you can view related resources thanks for listening and i'm looking forward to our next opportunity to talk shop